The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. You're listening to the VPM Daily Newscast, the recap of today's top stories in Central Virginia. From the VPM Newsroom in Richmond, I'm Ian Stewart. Governor Glenn Youngkin vetoed 26 bills during his first legislative session, all of which passed with bipartisan support. As Ben Pavier from VPM News reports, one Democratic senator appears to have been especially targeted. Governor Yunkin rejected nine out of ten bills that reached his desk from Alexandria Senator Abin Eben. Eben played a leading role in the Democratic Senate's rejection of Yunkin's appointments to the parole board. It's part of an ongoing fight over appointments in the divided legislature. Political science professor Rich Marr with Randolph-Macon College says the veto is maybe connected to that feud. He says Youngkin may be adjusting from his time as CEO, where his power was more absolute. The energy and drive for policymaking comes from the General Assembly in the state, and, and governors often have trouble learning that lesson. Youngkin says all but two of Evans' bills were unnecessary because he'd signed or amended identical legislation from the House of Delegates. In other cases involving different lawmakers, however, Youngkin signed both bills. In all, Youngkin rejected more bills in his first year than any governor since Jim Gilmore in 1998, according to the Virginia Public Access Project. Ben Pavier, VPM News. Governor Glenn Youngkin says he'll support a bill to allow local law enforcement and campus police to use facial recognition technology. But as Whitney Evans from VPM News reports, he's asking the General Assembly to make some changes first. In a press release, Governor Youngkin said his amendments provide a common-sense path forward for law enforcement to use facial recognition technology without compromising individual freedoms. The proposed changes require additional training and support from Virginia State Police, which is already allowed to use the technology. Facial recognition involves identifying people by matching a picture or video of a person's face to databases of photos. Supporters say it helps speed up criminal investigations and even prevents wrongful charges. But civil rights groups say it's invasive and ripe for abuse. Virginia lawmakers still need to approve Youngkin's changes to the legislation before it becomes law. Whitney Evans, VPM News. A months-long standoff between Richmond City Council and school board about the construction of a new George Wythe High School appears to be over. Monday night, the majority of the school board voted in support of a proposal to build an 1,800-student school. This vote matches an ordinance introduced during a city council meeting Monday that would authorize funding for a high school of that size. The proposal also stipulates that the new George Wythe should be built so that it could be expanded in the future to accommodate more students. City Council is expected to make a decision on this matter later this month. A residential development project in Henrico County that's been in the works for about a decade may not be moving forward. According to the Richmond Times-Dispatch, the firm D.R. Horton recently told county officials that they're withdrawing plans to build over 600 homes on a 420-acre site in Verina. Residents have expressed concern about the project's potential impact on a Civil War battlefield where members of the U.S. Colored Troops earned the Medal of Honor for Valor. 
Both the Capital Region Land Conservancy and the American Battlefield Trust have previously expressed interest in buying the property to preserve it. The Great Dismal Swamp National Wildlife Refuge is revamping one of its trailheads to draw in more visitors. Catherine Hafner from partner station WHRO reports. If you want to enter the Great Dismal Swamp through the Jericho Lane Trailhead in Suffolk, right now you have to drive two miles down a gravel road. Leaders of the refuge now want to make it more accessible. They're using a $50,000 grant from Dominion Energy to build a new trailhead closer to the road. There will also be new signs and an outdoor pavilion. Refuge manager Chris Lowey says the trailhead will be more welcoming. Some people aren't comfortable going deep into the swamp where there's black bears and venomous snakes and all the biting insects. Moving forward, the refuge hopes to highlight both the swamp's ecological and historical importance. That includes history about indigenous nations and enslaved people traveling through to seek freedom. There's a lot of untold stories about the swamp and how it helped shape that area of our country. The trailhead should be done by next March. The city of Suffolk is also buying land nearby for a new education center. That was Catherine Hafner reporting. An African-American high school in Albemarle County is set to become a National Historic Landmark. When it opened in the 1950s, Burley High School combined three area schools for black students until it was officially desegregated in 1967. Since then, the school has gone through several changes and is now called Burley Middle School. CBS 19 News in Charlottesville reports that the listing on the National Register designates the school as a historic place worthy of preservation. A ceremony to mark the recognition is happening Saturday morning. Richmond author Kristen Green has just published a new book, The Devil's Half Acre, the untold story of how one woman liberated the South's most notorious slave jail, located in Richmond's Shaco Bottom. VPM's Megan Pauley spoke with Green about the story of Mary Lumpkin, an enslaved girl who, at the age of 13, began birthing the children of brutal slave trader and jail owner Robert Lumpkin. What were some of the most striking details you learned about her You know, as a person, as a woman, as a mother, as she lived with Robert Lumpkin? One thing that drew me to her story was the fact that I knew so few stories about enslaved women. I feel like the stories that we know about enslaved women involve these like really outrageous escape stories, you know, kind of a more masculine version of escape where they're going through the woods and taking back roads and really dangerous, right? Like Harriet Tubman's story and returning for her family members to also free them. But women so often couldn't do that. I mean, most women wouldn't leave their children. So I was drawn to telling a a different kind of story of an enslaved woman. And I wouldn't say that Mary's story is normal by any account. But I did find all these other women who lived in Richmond's slave trade district who were in the same situation, likely multiracial women who were chosen by these slave traders to have their children and who, like Mary, were able to educate their children, were able to move their children and themselves to freedom and who inherited the money and the property of their enslavers. What I found most interesting was that they shared this in common and may have empowered each other. And Mary eventually inherits the Devil's Half Acre upon Robert Lumpkin's death, and you write that she rented out the jail building to a school for free black men. Tell me about that school and how it would later become known as God's Half Acre. A white man from the North, Nathaniel Culver, was working on behalf of the American Baptist Home Mission Society to try to find a permanent location or semi-permanent location 
for the school for free black men to train them as preachers. When he ran into Mary Lumpkin on a street, he had almost given up finding a place where he could host the school because white property owners in Richmond after the war didn't want their buildings to be used to teach black men or women. She agreed to rent him the jail complex in 1867, and they signed a three-year lease for $1,000 a year. When the school moved in, you know, they, they remade this property that was known as the Devil's Half Acre or Lumpkin's Jail into what became known as God's Half Acre. It was redeeming or attempting to redeem this terrible history that the property had previously had. And this school eventually became Virginia Union University, where Mary Lumpkin is known as the mother of UU. Tell me about how her story and legacy is being honored on campus today. The school has recently reclaimed this history of her. I mean, it's a pretty unusual story for a black woman to be involved in the founding of a historically black college and university. And we know that Virginia Union was one of the first such schools in America. I could only find evidence of one other school where a black woman was involved in the founding story. And I think, you know, while Mary Lumpkin's role has long been known, it's only recently sort of been reclaimed and and being celebrated more. A street was named in her honor in recent years, and a plaque was installed on campus honoring her mothership of this university. I think the school is thinking about what else it could do to make sure that students know her story and that alumni know her story and that it becomes a vital part of the school's history. Thank you so much for being here and telling me about your new book. Thanks for having me, Megan. Kristen Green will be speaking about her new book Thursday evening at the Library of Virginia from 6 to 7.30. The event will be live-streamed on the library's Facebook and YouTube pages. This has been the VPM Daily Newscast. Some of these stories may have changed since the newscast was recorded. You can stay connected to what matters by heading to vpm.org news or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at myvpm. VPM. I'm Speech Thomas from the hip-hop crew Arrested Development. On the new VPM podcast, Track Change, I take you behind the walls of Richmond City Jail, where I help four men record an album and hear how they're trying to break free from a cycle of addiction and incarceration. Been so long since I've been free. Subscribe to Track Change in your podcast app.